TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. Hello and welcome to Better Living, a show about the people and organizations that make an impact in our area. I'm your host, Nick Carissimi. Two very different but equally exciting groups on today's show. In the second half of the program, Scott Winterrode of the Meadows Museum, located on the campus of SMU, will stop by to discuss the museum and the different programs it offers the community. We start off with Sarah Gallaro. She's the Marketing and Communications Manager for ACT, which stands for Advocates for Community Transformation. How are you doing today? Doing well, thank you. All right, so a uh, mega friend of the show, Lexi OKK from Serve West Dallas, mm-hmm. called me right before she came in and said, guess what? Have I got something for you? I've got a friend. She's going to come in. I've told you about this organization. It's time for you to talk to him. And I said, great. And then I looked you up, and I was really excited because I have heard a lot about ACT. Good. Uh, This is a very interesting organization doing very important work. But uh, we need to hear it from you. All right. So what is ACT? What do you guys do? Sure. So I'm very glad Lexi introduced us. We're super happy to be partners with Serve West Dallas. They're great friends of ours. ACT is a new model of ministry that uses the justice system to empower inner city residents like residents in West Dallas. We also work in South Dallas to um, fight crime on their streets while sharing with them the hope of the gospel. So our vision is to see safe neighborhoods where crime is no longer tolerated and where dignity and hope of the residents living there is restored. So is this a new organization? It's been around for a little over eight years or so. Um, So we have been working in West Dallas the majority of that time and then have just recently expanded our work this past year into South Dallas as well. So the Fair Park area. I think that how you approach the problem of crime in these areas is very different from how a lot of other organizations Mm -hmm. have done it previously. Uh, But before we get to that, I think it would probably be most helpful to learn about the origin of this organization. How did you guys get started and, and why did you get started? Sure. So ACT is founded Um, by our current president, Reed Porter, and he's a Dallas guy. He's an attorney, so he grew up here, um, went to law school, started practicing law, and had the vision, like many young attorneys do when they're first starting out, that they'll work hard, they'll become respected and make a partner, and and that'll be the career path. Um, As Reed started working as an attorney, he started to feel what he calls a holy restlessness. So he was working with um, another serve West Dallas uh, partner, Mercy Street, down in West Dallas as a, a mentor for a young student who was a, a high schooler at the time. Started talking to folks um, in West Dallas, started talking to neighborhood association leaders, pastors, nonprofit um, leaders, and realized that there's this big injustice that occurs in a lot of inner city neighborhoods. And that is that criminal properties or drug houses will act like hornet's nests of crime in neighborhoods. So you might have a criminal property out of which uh, individuals are selling drugs and other crimes start to occur around that property. Lots of violence, um, prostitution, lots of weapons, things like that. And that can be a huge oppressive force on a neighborhood. And when Reed started to realize that this was occurring in our neighborhoods and that he had 
these awesome tools as an attorney to help address that problem, um, dots started connecting and he began to connect with other law firms in Dallas and partners in um, partners in the city, partners in DPD, so Dallas police, to start to build and develop this model for reducing crime by targeting those criminal properties and using volunteer attorneys partnered with residents in order to reduce crime. So overall, your goal is to reduce crime in certain neighborhoods in West Dallas and also in South Dallas. But what you're really talking about, the way that you guys go about it, let's say, is taking down Drug houses, really, is Correct. what they are. What is the term that you guys use? Drug houses, criminal properties. Criminal properties. Mm-hmm. I like that. It's very legalese. Well, we've got we've got a number of attorneys on our staff. They're yeah, founded by kinda, an attorney. I, I, I think that makes sense. <laughs> um, so you have these properties, and that's how you're choosing to to help clean up these neighborhoods. Correct. All right. So this is important work, but it's also dangerous work. It can be. So for you guys, but also really it's for the people that live around these drug houses. That's Mm -hmm. who you're really trying to help. Absolutely. Okay. So, you know, before we get into the hows and whys, let's talk about just the basics of what a person would do if they contacted ACT. Mm -hmm. What's maybe the first step that you would go through when you are sick and tired of your neighborhood being plagued by a problem like this? Mm -hmm. I'm glad that you brought up the residents and their role in this because it It is the backbone of what we do. The residents who partner with us to become clients and they say, enough is enough. We're ready to take a stand for our neighborhood. Um, Their courage, their bravery is the entire reason why any of our work is possible. Um, The model that we have really starts off with very much of a community community organizing um, foundation. And so when we come to a neighborhood, the first step is building relationships Um, I mentioned that we've just started working in South Dallas over the past year or so. Casework has just begun recently in the past few months, but we've been in South Dallas for a little over a year just doing the relationship building part. Um, It's a lot of sitting on front porches and a lot of um, sitting on people's couches in their living rooms, getting to know them, talking to them, learning about their experience um, and, and what they want and hope for their neighborhoods. So the process really begins with those relationships. It doesn't actually begin with, hey, we've got this great model to shut down drug houses. It starts with, my name is, how are you feeling? What do you want for your family? Um, Who are the influencers in the neighborhood that we can partner with? Um, What are the properties that have been really troublesome for you? How have you been experiencing um, feelings of insecurity in your neighborhood? Learning and mapping all of that out first. So that's the really foundation of that after community building and trust building and really becoming educated ourselves on what's going on and what the criminal networks look like in these neighborhoods, that's when after that point is which when we would start to engage with one of those residents as a client. So we'd bring on a, uh, a legal team from one of our law firms that volunteers with us and we would um, partner them up with a group of clients, usually as many as we can get on a case um, is what we try to do, to then move into that process of actually starting to to file the, the proper paperwork and begin the legal casework. As far as building rapport in neighborhoods like this, word travels fast. Mm-hmm. And that can be good, but that can also be bad, especially when you're talking about trying to eliminate a drug house. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you build trust mm-hmm. with the people that are in this neighborhood? You know, you said it's taken over a year just to help maybe get to the point where you guys can finally start casework. So what are some of the things that you guys do to help let people know that you're there to help and you're also not going to leave them hanging in the wind if Mm -hmm. things go wrong? Yeah, that's a good question. 
So the bravery and the courage of our clients is a huge backbone. Our community advocates is another big backbone. So part of our staff, their field staff, they work on the ground. They are boots on the ground, if you will. They're out in the community every day building those relationships. Um, and the skills that they have in relationship building um, astounds me. It really does. I'm I'm an office person, right? So I sit at my desk in the office and, and don't um, – engage in those types of conversations uh, as regularly as our community advocates do. But their job is to build that rapport, just like you said. So it comes through lots of touch points, any opportunity they can to meet with people, to talk to people, to visit people. Um, That rapport also comes through partnering with um, indigenous leaders that exist in these communities. Some of them are formal leaders, like maybe the president of a neighborhood association or the leader of a crime watch group. And some of them may just be informal influencers, like community matriarchs or folks who've been there for a long time and have and are recognized by their neighbors as being someone that that they really respect. So partnering up with those folks, building relationships with them, supporting those neighborhood associations, coming to their meetings, Um, And then providing services, uh, other services, like perhaps maybe we'd host a block party or um, frequently we'll host a prayer walk or something we call a crime restriction service project, perhaps helping clean up a vacant lot or an overgrown alleyway. Those types of projects um, alongside our community advocates work day in, day out, building relationships is really how we, we start to build that foundation. Does the religious component of your organization really help to build that rapport a lot of times with people to help them know that you're trustworthy? Mm. You know, for us, the the justice work and the the faith base are seamlessly integrated. There's no distinction for us. Um, our organization has a really strong theological foundation for the work that we do and for our sort of belief in in social justice in supporting neighborhoods, not only in a physical capacity, but also a spiritual capacity is something that is just part of our DNA. So we talk about how we want to see not only a physical transformation of a community, but a spiritual and an emotional and a relational transformation as well. And when we work with with neighbors and when we work with residents, um, supporting them in a spiritual way, praying with them and offering those types of, of services that wrap around everything that we do is absolutely, you're totally right. It's a big part of um, getting to know someone on a much more personal level and in a much more meaningful way. Sarah Galaro is the Marketing Communications Manager for ACT, Advocates for Community Transformation, their website, actforjustice.org. Uh, I saw on your website that you guys are responsible for shutting down over 88 crime-ridden properties. Mm-hmm. Okay. Is that still the number? I think we're over 90 now. All so right. bit okay. by bit, inch by inch. <laughs> now, you know, a lot of times when homes like these get raided, that doesn't necessarily stop the problem. Mm. Uh, what you're talking about is eradicating these drug properties from a neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And that allows that neighborhood to breathe and to recover and things just get better. Mm-hmm. So how do you make sure that these homes and the operations that are going on inside those homes actually get stopped? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a fantastic question um, and something we've done a lot of thinking and researching about. The the first thing that I'll say that I think helps kind of paint the picture is that we are a hyper-local model. So when we come into a neighborhood, we're not looking at all of DFW or even all of West Dallas or South Dallas. We target specific neighborhoods, um, usually one mile radius, square radius or less. So block by block, street by street. Um, that's kind of the the lens through which we approach our work. Now, the um, 
the issue of criminal networks cropping back up again is something that that you mentioned that's definitely important. What that's called is displacement theory. So it's a theory of crime displacement or sometimes referred to as the whack-a-mole theory. So the idea that if you shut down crime in one house, it might crop back up just a few miles down the road. Um, And we've done a fair amount of research on displaced crime displacement and a lot of work in minimizing that in our communities. Our experience thus far, we actually haven't seen that happen very often. And what we think is um, that our partnership with other nonprofits, ministries, churches, service providers, that kind of holistic approach to serving a neighborhood and bringing in resources allows people to really... um, when crime is um, targeted in a neighborhood and when we were able to resolve some of the criminal activity, other opportunities are available to those that were once engaged in that activity. So there are opportunities for them to pursue education or employment through those external resources that we have partnered with. So while we don't do any specific rehabilitation work, um, we know a lot of people that do, and we're able to, to partner with those types of organizations to make that connection. The other reason I think why we don't ha- we have not seen that frequently in our neighborhoods is that there's a really big educational component to what we do. Um, there's a really big um, empowerment component to what we do. So one story that I think um, touches on this very well is a story that happened a, a couple years ago where um, we worked with one of our residents, one of our clients, to resolve a criminal property. And a couple months later, the criminal the criminal activity that was occurring in that property started to bubble back up again, just a few houses down the row. And before we even had the opportunity to start talking to our networks and to start the process of shutting down that house again, this client who we had worked with let us know that, hey, I talked to the um, owner of that house because I know my rights. The neighbors down the street were able to come around and say, hey, we understand that that's actually not legal. You're not allowed to engage in that activity that infringes upon my right to enjoy my property. And the property owner um, said, oh, hey, man, I didn't realize that. Now I understand. We're going to kick these guys out because we don't want to have that activity occurring on our street. We have a sense of ownership here. And so um, neighbors being able to root out crime before it has a chance to even get going, that I think is a big piece of um, what helps us avoid some of that crime displacement. I didn't actually think about that. So a lot of times you might be dealing with a landlord that might not know what's going on in his prop- his or her property. Yes. Is that, so is that maybe the most common thing that you guys come across, or is it people that actually own the home that they're doing stuff in? We've certainly seen both, but I think the, the former is probably more common in which you have a land, a, a, a property owner who has tenants in their property. And frequently that property owner is might not live in Dallas. They might not be, they might have a lot of properties. They might be what we might refer to as a slumlord in which there are a number of um, very low cost properties that they own and don't have a lot of direct oversight or perhaps don't care that much Mm. about what happens in that that home and about how that's impacting the rest of the neighborhood. So um, a lot of our attorneys, especially um, legal fellows that we have from schools like, like SMU, will do that really hard research of digging down into all of the um, documentation for property ownership to try and chase down the rabbit hole of, okay, who owns this property? Where are they? How can we get in touch with them? How can we let them know that there's something occurring in their house? There's there's drug trade happening in their house that's negatively impacting this entire neighborhood. And how can we get them to take responsibility and to be held accountable for that by kicking those tenants out? 
So these people kind of hide through paperwork to a certain extent when they're running these homes that are probably shady. You know, I, I think sometimes every case is certainly different. Um, every house is is has its own story. But sometimes you can see that happening, whether intentionally or unintentionally. It takes a lot of work and effort to, to root out um, some of the the responsible parties in these cases to figure out how to go about this. And I think that's probably why you don't see other nonprofits or the city of Dallas um, attacking crime in this way. In fact, the model that we have of partnering with law firms and residents to target drug houses and criminal properties specifically is it's the only organization we know of um, that that has that specific model. And I think it is, it's very difficult, right? It's, it's hard to um, get to the bottom of that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so follow me on this. Al Capone was taken down not because of violence or because of bootlegging. It was because of tax evasion. It was because of technicalities in the law. Now, I'm kind of guessing that your lawyers are able to maybe do the same thing with some of these properties. Do you guys have maybe, do you have unexpected ways, let's say, of of shutting down some of these homes? Maybe code violations or things that people would overlook as opposed to those people are selling drugs, call the cops. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll say, first of all, uh, I am not an attorney. And so the legal ins and out of our strategy and, and how it plays out is something that some of the lawyers on our staff or some of the field operations folks would be able to really dig into that, the meat of those questions and help you answer. But I will say that the short answer is yes, there are all different ways to resolve a criminal property. Sometimes it's, um, sometimes they end up going all the way to courthouse. Sometimes we're able to get a resolution after reaching out to you and connecting with the original owners and letting them know what happens. Sometimes they're able to respond to us immediately um, in a favorable way. Other times we uh, partner with um, offices at the city of Dallas who might be able to resolve properties in, in other means. So there's, there's a lot of different paths that can be taken in order to see a resolution. Are you guys working with law enforcement all that much? Because you guys are using the courts, and a lot of times people would associate the courts with law enforcement, but that's not necessarily the case. It sounds like you guys are strictly using the court to get these areas cleaned up. So do you have a lot of interaction with law enforcement when it comes to getting these houses shut down? I would say yes in that the Dallas Police Department is is a big partner of ours. We have worked with them. We work with them very closely, first of all, because— they're out in the communities every single day. A lot of times those officers, the storefront officers in our neighborhoods are the ones that are going to be able to provide us with some of the best information and relationships. So we work with them very closely on that front. Also, like I said, depending on how the case, um, depending on what path a particular case may take, sometimes we're handing things off to them, they're handing things off to us. So there's definitely a back and forth um, there And I should mention, um, talking about the courts specifically, out of the 90 or so cases, the 90 or so criminal properties that have been resolved in our history, um, only a couple of them have ever gone all the way to the courthouse, which we're actually really proud of. We love the fact that we've been able to seek resolution for our clients more um, quickly, and we've been able to do it without having to go all the way to the courthouse because – at the end of the day, we're like another law firm in that what you want is you want the best resolution as quickly as possible for your client. So when we're able to resolve a case without having to follow that whole path all the way to the judge or jury, um, we're, we're grateful. Um, but also, we'll do it if that's what it takes. How long does it 
take normally to resolve one of these cases? Because I was going to ask about how often you guys actually end up in a courtroom for stuff like this. Um, but you're saying it's not really all that much. But mm-hmm. you're also talking about time frames. Mm-hmm. So the quicker this stuff happens, the better, obviously. Mm-hmm. But that might not always be the case. So is there a, a rough time frame that you guys normally have when applying this model? I wish I could give you a rough time frame, but, you know, it really depends. It depends on the specifics of each case. Um, I can uh, give you one example in that we were working with. We've got a few cases right now in which there's one property owner that is is the owner of several problem properties that we're targeting. So that's going to require a different strategy than a one-to-one type of a, of a strategy. So I wish I could give you the the simple, easy answer of, uh, you know, six months, one and done, but that that's not been the true for us. We've seen a wide range. For these people that own these properties, a lot of times, you know, they're landlords and they're making money off of these properties. They just don't care what's happening in those properties while they're making that money. Is there any way that you guys kind of work with these people as an incentive to say, if you make sure that this gets shut down, we're going to make sure that you can at least still own this property or maybe hook them up with something else, maybe in a different area or something like that? Because I could see that being the one thing that really pushes back. People are going to say, you're messing with my money. Good luck. I'm not helping you. Mm -hmm. I would say, think about it if you were were a law firm. Your responsibility is to your client at the end of the day. You're not necessarily trying to make arrangements for the opposing parties. Your job is to represent them as best as you can in order to seek resolution. And that's how we see it as well. So our focus is really our clients and um, getting those criminal properties resolved so that they can live in a safe neighborhood. They can go to bed at night without being concerned about violent activity happening one or two houses down from them. They don't have to worry about their kids playing in the front yard um, or finding needles or finding bullets on their curbside. Our job is to really represent them and to make sure that we are partnering with them to transform their street. Tough. (laughs) That's what just sold me. That That was the line right there. That's that's obviously what you got to do to get something like this done. Mm-hmm. So that makes a lot of sense. How do you target these homes? How do how do you start this whole process? You've done over ninety. You've helped a lot of people with this stuff. But there are houses like this spread out all over the country, let mm-hmm. alone just in our backyard here in Dallas. So how do you how do you target these homes and how do you pick which one you guys are actually going to work on? Because you're dumping a lot of resources into it. So I'll start first with the explanation of, of how we select our general neighborhoods. Um, when we go into a neighborhood, we select, again, hyper-local, small neighborhoods. We're not looking at all of West Dallas or all of South Dallas, but rather specific communities. Those communities are selected after a lot of research, and we pick those based on communities that have, first of all, high incidences of crime, um, a high number or high concentration of drug houses and drug activity, and then also neighborhoods that have indigenous resources that we can tap into that would be ready and willing to partner with us. So neighborhood associations, crime watch associations, churches are always major partners, nonprofits, um, uh, resources like that. Mm -hmm. So when we find a community that has those elements, that's a a community that's going to be a really good opportunity um, for our model. And when we come into a community, our goal is is to reduce the number of drug houses by targeting and resolving 75% of the identified criminal properties in the neighborhood. And that leads to a 50% reduction in overall crime in the neighborhood. 
So our first step moving into a neighborhood, it's all that relationship building and that trust building that I talked about. Alongside that comes, again, talking to those residents, talking to those indigenous leaders, mapping out what the criminal networks and what the criminal, what the problem properties may be in that particular neighborhood, identifying them. Uh, over time, targeting 75% of those, which we believe and has in our experience led to a 50% plus reduction in crime. And I'll say that in the first neighborhood that we worked in in, in West Dallas, um, we saw 65 to 70% reduction in crime after targeting those criminal properties. So the opportunities for the model are, are really exciting to us. So that's probably how you guys reduce this whack-a-mole factor. I was kind of thinking that it was just one house... But you're saying it's you're taking down multiple homes, right. usually at one time in the same right. neighborhood. So three out of four houses, if there are four dealing drugs in that neighborhood, you're going to go after three of them. Yep. And that's enough to take that whole network down and clean up the neighborhood. So that three out of four would be, which we see far more than four houses in these um, in these neighborhoods, but three out of four would be 75% from our, our history and our research um, is that that 75% uh, of the reduction of the drug houses will lead to a 50% reduction in overall crime in the neighborhood. You said that you do a lot of planning to make sure that whatever targets you pick are going to be good targets to work on. Mm -hmm. Have you had people approach you about receiving your services, or is it largely you guys going out, finding an area that you know is going to be accepting of the model, let's say, and just working from there? Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not sure about that first one. I'm sure that's happened, but our approach thus far has been – very research heavy in terms of how we select uh, a neighborhood or a region to focus on. Um, That movement from West Dallas to South Dallas, this expansion into South Dallas, which has just occurred over the past year or so, um, was not done lightly. It was done with a lot of research, a lot of planning, discussion with funding partners, with the resources in the community like nonprofits and neighborhood associations, that was our our first big expansion that we're really excited to be diving into. And we've got several active cases right now in South Dallas that where the ball is moving and the ball is rolling. We've got a couple resolutions already in South Dallas that we're very excited about. So um, that was the first time that we have shifted the model um, to to take it from West Dallas and place it in another neighborhood. So it'll be interesting to see. um, We're all watching expectantly as that plays out. Sounds exciting. It is. It's a very exciting time to be working for ACT. Can you say even how many homes that you guys are working on right now? Do you have a number of, of what's in the pipe right now? Or is that kind of, do you guys kind of keep that number? You, you know, I, I don't have a number. Um, I don't have a number, but it's dozens. Wow. Okay. All right. Um, volunteers. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a little bit about what you guys need. Uh, you're going to need a lot of different things yes. and because you're also providing a lot of things. It mm-hmm. seems that you guys have this – you guys are showing up with an army as opposed to uh, just a, a few lawyers. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are you guys looking for uh, for volunteers and what kind of things could people do for ACT? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, first, of course, we I mentioned our volunteer attorneys. We work with a number of attorneys. And I'll say one thing that I, I think is very awesome is that we're not working with um, – you know, someone fresh out of law school who has no experience. The attorneys that we work with on our cases, these are the best of the best. These are the biggest firms, both locally, nationally, internationally. These are partners. Our clients in these neighborhoods, they get the best attorneys that Dallas has to offer to work with them and come alongside them. So that's it's very fun, um, and I'm very proud of that. So volunteer attorneys are, are 
are always in our in our pipeline, both for casework and also for, for um, other types of legal services that sometimes are offered. If you're not an attorney, but you're excited about this, um, this type of work, there are a few other opportunities. Um, one, I talked about some of the spiritual services and some of the ways that we come alongside and support um, our families in an emotional way. Um, integrating that faith into the service that we provide. Family Bible studies is something that we do the first and third Thursday of every month. And they, uh, we always have volunteers coming in for that to help with children's ministry, doing some kind of a craft or activity or to bring in serve meals or just to, to hang out with our families in West Dallas um, and enjoy a, a short service along with them. We also do some other projects in our neighborhoods, such as safety canvassing, where we'll go house to house and provide information about how you can call 911 or 411 um, when you have something crop up in your neighborhood, when you're unsure about some some sort of a, a unsafe activity happening, um, information about how to connect with your local neighborhood association or community association, information about how to connect with your local police officers so that you can build relationships with them. That kind of activity uh, happens as well every few months. And then we also do prayer walks in our neighborhood. We'll bring out a, a group of people and host a big block party in our neighborhood. And it's a wonderful opportunity to, to visit streets by street, to talk to na- residents, to meet them, talk to them about what's going on in their lives, how we can support them and to pray with them during that time. What has your education on this subject been like? Have you have you as your have your eyes been kind of open to to a lot of the things that are, are going on because this is very mm. very serious stuff. It is um, absolutely, and that's one thing that um, so many of us at ACT have often said is, man, you, you forget how um, you forget how confusing and how dark and how heavy some of this is to the outside world because of course we're in it every day, but um, we do provide some really great opportunities for volunteers. We're doing a a lunch and learn series right now where volunteers will come to the office and we've done a speaker series on drug culture, on the culture of poverty, on on our model, on our legal model, some of the specific questions you were asking about step-by-step, what does it look like? So those types of trainings are a great opportunity to help external stakeholders get a glimpse into some of the work that we do, just like I've gotten, and be more educated on on some of these really, um, really tough, tough subjects. Sarah Galaro is the Marketing Communications Manager for ACT, Advocates for Community Transformation, their website, actforjustice.org. You have to come back. Thank you. I will. Well, thank you very much for being here. I really appreciate it. Thanks. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. Back clock at four. Donchich. The step back three, you bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening.